Section 10 of Germinal by Emile Zola, translated by Havelock Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Part 2. Chapter 4. When Mahieu came in after having left Etienne at Rasseneur's, he found Catherine, Zachary, and Jalin seated at the table finishing their soup. On returning from the pit, they were always so hungry that they ate in their damp clothes without even cleaning themselves, and no one was waited for. The table was laid from morning to night. There was always someone there swallowing his portion, according to the chances of work. As he entered the door, Mahieu saw the provisions. He said nothing, but his uneasy face lighted up. All the morning, the emptiness of the cupboard, the thought of the house without coffee and without butter, had been troubling him. The recollection came to him painfully while he was hammering at the seam, stifled at the bottom of the cutting. What would his wife do, and what would become of them if she were to return with empty hands? And now, here was everything. She would tell him about it later on. He laughed with satisfaction. Catherine and Jeanlin had risen, and were taking their coffee standing, while Zachary, not filled with the soup, cut himself a large slice of bread and covered it with butter. Although he saw the chitterlings on a plate, he did not touch them, for meat was for the father, when there was only enough for one. All of them had washed down their soup with a big bumper of fresh water, the good clear drink of the fortnight's end. I have no beer, said Mahib, when the father had seated himself in his turn. I wanted to keep a little money, but if you would like some, the little one can go and fetch a pint. He looked at her in astonishment. What? She had money, too. No, no he said. I've had a glass. It's all right. And Mayhew began to swallow by slow spoonfuls the paste of bread, potatoes, leeks, and sorrel piled up in the bowl, which served him as a plate. Mayhew, without putting Estelle down, helped Azir to give him all that he required, pushed near him the butter and the meat, and put his coffee on the fire to keep it quite hot. In the meanwhile, beside the fire, they began to wash themselves in the half of a barrel transformed into a tub catherine whose turn came first had filled it with warm water and she undressed herself tranquilly took off her cap her jacket her breeches and even her chemise habituated to this since the age of eight having grown up without seeing any harm in it she only turned with her stomach to the fire then rubbed herself vigorously with black soap no one looked at her even lenore and henri were no longer inquisitive to see how she was made when she was clean she went up the stairs quite naked leaving her damp chemise and other garments in a heap on the floor but a quarrel broke out between the two brothers jeanlin had hastened to jump into the tub under the pretence that zachary was still eating and the latter hustled him claiming his turn calling out that he was polite enough to allow catherine to wash herself first but he did not wish to have the rinsings of the young urchins all the less since when jeanlin had been in it it would do to fill the school ink-pots they ended by washing themselves together also turning towards the fire and they even helped each other rubbing one another's backs then like their sister they disappeared up the staircase naked what a slop they do make murmured Mahud taking up their garments from the floor to put them to dry alzire just sponge up a bit but a disturbance on the other side of the wall cut short her speech one heard a man's oaths a woman's crying a whole stampede of battle with hollow glows that sounded like the shock of an empty gourd levaque's wife is catching it 
maheu peacefully stated as he scraped the bottom of his bowl with a spoon it's queer but a loop made out that the soup was ready ah yes ready said maheu i saw the vegetables on the table not even cleaned the cries redoubled and there was a terrible push which shook the wall followed by complete silence then the miner swallowing the last spoonful concluded with an air of calm justice if the soup is not ready one can understand and after having drunk a glassful of water he attacked the shittlings he cut square pieces stuck the point of his knife into them and ate them on his bread without a fork there was no talking when the father was eating he himself was hungry in silence he did not recognize the usual taste of maigrat's provisions this must come from somewhere else however he put no question to his wife he only asked if the old man was still sleeping upstairs no the grandfather had gone out for his usual walk and there was silence again but the odor of the meat made lenore and henri lift up their heads from the floor where they were amusing themselves with making rivulets with the spilt water both of them came and planted themselves near their father the little one in front their eyes followed each morsel full of hope when it set out from the plate and with an air of consternation when it was engulfed in the mouth at last the father noticed the gluttonous desire which made their faces pale and their lips moist have the children had any of it he asked and as his wife hesitated you know i don't like injustice it takes away my appetite when i see them there begging for beds but they've had some of it she exclaimed angrily if you were to listen to them you might give them your share and the others too they would fill themselves till they burst isn't it true alzu that we have all had some sure enough mother replied the little humpback who under such circumstances could tell lies with the self-possession of a grown-up person lenore and henri stood motionless shocked and rebellious at such lying when they themselves were whipped if they did not tell the truth their little hearts began to swell and they longed to protest and to say that they at all events were not there when the others had some get along with you said the mother driving them to the other end of the room you ought to be ashamed of being always in your father's plate and even if he was the only one to have any doesn't he work while well, all you a lot of good-for-nothings can't do anything but spend yes and the more the bigger you are maheu called them back he seated lenore on his left thigh henri on the right then he finished the chetelings by playing at dinner with them he cut small pieces and each had his share the children devoured with delight when he had finished he said to his wife no don't give me my coffee i'm going to wash first and just give me a hand to throw away this dirty water they took both of the handles of the tub and emptied it into the gutter before the door when jeanlin came down in dry garments breeches and a woolen blouse too large for him which were weary of fading on his brother's back seeing him slinking out through the open door his mother stopped him where are you off to over there over where listen to me you go and gather a dandelion salad for this evening eh hey, do you hear if you don't bring a salad back you'll have to deal with me all right jeanlin set out with his hands in his pockets trailing his savats and slouching along with his slender loins of a ten-year-old urchin like an old miner in his turn zacharie came down more carefully dressed his body covered by a black woolen knitted jacket with blue stripes his father called out to him not to return late 
and he left, nodding his head with his pipe between his teeth, without replying. Again the tub was filled with warm water. Maheu was already slowly taking off his jacket. At a look, Alzire led Lenore and Henri outside to play. The father did not like washing en famille, as was practiced in many houses in the settlement. He blamed no one, however. He simply said that it was good for the children to dabble together. "'What are you doing up there?' cried Mahud up the staircase. "'I'm mending my dress that I tore yesterday,' replied Catherine. "'All right. Don't come down. Your father is washing.' Then Mahud and Mahud were left alone. The latter decided to place Estelle on a chair, and, by a miracle, finding herself near the fire, the child did not scream, but turned towards her parents the vague eyes of a little creature without intelligence. He was crouching before the tub, quite naked, having first plunged his head into it, well rubbed with that black soap, the constant use of which discolored and made yellow the hair of the race. Afterwards, he got into the water, lathered his chest, belly, arms, and thighs, scraping them energetically with both fists. His wife, standing by, watched him. Well, then, she began, I saw your eyes when you came in. You were bothered, eh? And it eased you, those provisions. Fancy, those Pioline people didn't give me a sou. Oh, they are kind enough. They have dressed the little ones, and I was ashamed to ask them, for it crosses me to ask for things. She interrupted herself a moment to wedge Estelle into the chair, lest she should tip over. The father continued to work away at his skin, without hastening by a question the story which interested him, patiently waiting for light. I must tell you that Maigret had refused me. Oh, straight, like one kicks a dog out of doors. Guess if I was on a spree. They keep you warm, woolen garments, but they don't put anything into your stomach, eh? He lifted his head, still silent. Nothing at Pialaine, nothing in Maigret. Then where? But as usual, she was pulling up her sleeves to wash his back, and those parts which he could not himself easily reach. Besides, he liked her to soap him, to rub him everywhere, till she almost broke her wrists. She took soap and worked away at his shoulders, while he held himself stiff so as to resist the shock. Then I returned to Maigret's and said to him, Ah, I said something to him and that it didn't do to have no heart, and that evil would happen to him if there were any justice. That bothered him. He turned his eyes and would like to have got away. From the back she had got down to the buttocks and was pushing into the folds, not leaving any part of the body without passing over it, making him shine like her three saucepans on Saturdays after a big clean. Only she began to sweat with this tremendous exertion of her arms, so exhausted and out of breath, that her words were choked. At last he called me an old nuisance. We shall have bread until Saturday, and the best is that he has lent me five francs. I have got butter, coffee, and chicory from him. I was even going to get the meat and potatoes there, only I saw that he was grumbling, seven sous for the chitterlings, eighteen for the potatoes, and I've got three francs, seventy-five, left for a ragout and a meat soup. Eh, I don't think I've wasted my morning. Now she began to wipe him, plugging with a towel the parts that would not dry. Feeling happy, and without thinking of the future debt, he burst out laughing and took her in his arms. Leave me alone, stupid. You are deaf and wetting me. Only I'm afraid Maigret has ideas. She was about to speak of Catherine, but she stopped, 
what was the good of disturbing him it would only lead to endless discussion what ideas he asked why ideas of robbing us catherine will have to examine the bill carefully he took her in his arms again and this time did not let her go the bath always finished in this way she enlivened him by the hard rubbing and then by the towels which tickled the hairs of his arms and chest besides among all his mates of the settlement it was the hour for stupidities when more children were planted than were wanted at night all the family were about he pushed her towards the table jesting like a worthy man who was enjoying the only good moment of the day calling that taking his dessert and a dessert which cost him nothing she with her loose figure and breast struggled a little for fun you are stupid my lord you are stupid and there's estelle looking at us wait till i turn her head oh bosh at three months as if she understood when he got up maheu simply put on a dry pair of breeches he liked when he was clean and had taken his pleasure with his wife to remain naked for a while on his white skin the whiteness of an anemic girl the scratches and gashes of the coal left tattoo marks graps as the miners called them and he was proud of them and exhibited his big arms and broad chest shining like veined marble in summer all the miners could be seen in this condition at their doors he even went there for a moment now in spite of the wet weather and shouted out a rough joke to a comrade whose breast was also naked on the other side of the gardens others also appeared and the children trailing along the pathways raised their heads and also laughed with delight at all this weary flesh of workers displayed in the open air while drinking his coffee without yet putting on a shirt maheu told his wife about the engineer's anger over the planking he was calm and unbent and listened with a nod of approval to the sensible advice of maheu who showed much common sense in such affairs she always repeated to him that nothing was gained by struggling against the company she afterwards told him about madame hennebeau's visit without saying so both of them were proud of this can i come down yet asked catherine from the top of the staircase yes yes your father is drying himself the young girl had put on her sunday dress an old frock of rough blue poplin already faded and worn in the folds she had on a very simple bonnet of black tulle hallo you're dressed where are you going to i'm going to monceau to buy a ribbon for my bonnet i've taken off the old one it was too dirty have you got money then no but moquette promised to lend me half a franc the mother let her go but at the door she called her back here don't go and buy that ribbon at maigrat's he will rob you and he will think that we are rolling in wealth the father who was crouching down before the fire to dry his neck and shoulders more quickly contented himself with adding try not to dawdle about at night on the road in the afternoon maheu worked in his garden already he had sown potatoes beans and peas and he now set about replanting cabbage and lettuce plants which he had kept fresh from the night before this bit of garden furnished them with vegetables except potatoes of which they never had enough he understood gardening very well and could even grow artichokes which was treated as sheer display by the neighbors as he was preparing the bed levaque just then came out to smoke a pipe in his own square looking at the cause lettuces which bouteloup had planted in the morning for without the lodger's energy in digging nothing would have grown there but nettles 
and a conversation arose over the trellis levaque refreshed and excited by thrashing his wife vainly tried to take maheu off to rasseneur's why was he afraid of a glass they could have a game at skittles lounge about for a while with the mates and then come back to dinner that was the way of life after leaving the pit no doubt there was no harm in that but maheu was obstinate if he did not replant his lettuces they would be faded by to-morrow in reality he refused out of good sense not wishing to ask a farthing from his wife out of the change of the five-franc piece five o'clock was striking when pierron came to know if it was with jeanlin that her lady had gone off levaque replied that it must be something of that sort for bebert had also disappeared and those rascals always went prowling about together when maheu had quieted them by speaking of the dandelion salad he and his comrades set about joking the young woman with the coarseness of good-natured devils she was angry but did not go away in reality tickled by the strong words which made her scream with her hands to her sides a lean woman came to her aid stammering with anger like a clucking hen others in the distance on their doorsteps confided their alarms now the school was closed and all the children were running about there was a swarm of little creatures shouting and tumbling and fighting while those fathers who were not at the public house were resting in groups of three or four crouching on their heels as they did in the mine smoking their pipes with an occasional word in the shelter of a wall pierron went off in a fury when levaque wanted to feel if her thighs were firm and he himself decided to go alone to rasseneur's since maheu was still planting twilight suddenly came on maheu lit the lamp irritated because neither her daughter nor the boys had come back she could have guessed as much they never succeeded in taking together the only meal of the day at which it was possible for them to be all round the table then she was waiting for the dandelion salad what could he be gathering at this hour in this blackness of an oven that nuisance of a child a salad would go so well with the stew which was simmering on the fire potatoes leeks sorrel fricasseed with fried onion the whole house smelt of that fried onion that good odour which gets rank so soon and which penetrates the bricks of the settlements with such infection that one perceives it far off in the country the violent flavour of the poor man's kitchen maheu when he left the garden at nightfall at once fell into a chair with his head against the wall as soon as he sat down in the evening he went to sleep the clock struck seven henri and lenore had just broken a plate in persisting in helping alzire who was laying the table when father bonnemort came in first in a hurry to dine and go back to the pit then maheu woke up maheu come and eat so much the worse they are big enough to find the house the nuisance is the salad End of section ten